the challenging part about motherhood, whether we're talking about your own personal body or your child's body or experience, is there are so many things that are considered quote unquote normal or mm-hmm. typical that shouldn't be. Hi, I'm Sarah Kuhn. Welcome to the Juno Women Podcast, where I sit down for candid conversations with women who are experts in their field and share their specific knowledge so that we can become better equipped to handle all things motherhood. Juno Women is an extension of Juna, a fitness and nutrition app created to help guide you through your trying to conceive, pregnancy, and motherhood journey. Everything we do at Juna is designed to empower and support you through one of the most incredible and challenging times of your life. Today, I'm talking to Jessica Lorian, founder of Mamas in Training. Jessica was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease that put her path to motherhood on hold. As a result, she used the time to learn everything she could about motherhood from the moms who've been there. On this episode, she shares her story and much of what she's learned as a mama in training. I hope you enjoy. Well, Jessica, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. So thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I'm, I've been a, a big time, long time fan of Juno Moms and with the podcast and everything that you do. So it's been really exciting to come on here for that, me personally. That's so nice to hear. Well, it's, let's, let's, get, let's get into that a little bit. So tell me like a little bit about you, who you are, who Mamas in Training is and how it came to be. I am a New York City living actor and voiceover artist. I'm originally from Massachusetts. I went to school for musical theater and performed on tour and did a lot regionally. And now I move into more TV film. But in the process of this crazy life, when you have many different passions, of course, as an actor, one thing that tends to happen is when you have these lulls, you know, especially as an actor, you have like ebbs and flows of work. And I was in the middle of an ebb, for sure. Mm. I was looking for something creative. And simultaneously, I was navigating something that I had never experienced before, which was an autoimmune disease. I was diagnosed when I was about, it was like 25 or something like that. And I have psoriatic arthritis. And it got to a place that was so intense that I needed to use a cane to walk. My husband had to, boyfriend at the time, now husband had to carry me to the bathroom. I couldn't move. It was just absolutely awful. And the medication that I had to go on to help it prevented me from starting my motherhood journey. And all of my friends were getting married. And it was kind of this place that I was like, what can I do? I need something creative. I need something positive to focus my energy. And a couple of my friends had actually had podcasts. And so this word of podcasts were going around And I thought, well, that could be a good way for me to focus my energy as a woman and a future mother because I didn't have to sit in this woe is me type feeling. And I could learn all about motherhood and I could also be creative using my voice and, you know, editing and all of this type of stuff in an an artistic way. And so I launched the podcast and it was originally called actually the Pumping Podcast And its intention was to give women who were currently pumping or breastfeeding something to listen to Mm. so that they didn't feel so alone. (laughs) It was more story driven. So I would ask moms to take me through their birth story, their pregnancy story. I was a birth story junkie. I still am. So I loved listening to those things and learning from it. 
And then I kind of got to a place where I was missing me. And I was like, where is, I kept announcing myself as like, I'm a mama in training. And I was like, where am I in this whole thing? And I was learning a lot, but it wasn't specific enough. And Mm -hmm. so I decided to do a complete rebrand and relaunch and Mamas in Training was born, so to speak, (laughs) pun intended. And it's more specifically to help aspiring moms like myself, as well as, of course, expecting moms with specific things that women wish that they had known when they were pregnant or, or before they were even pregnant. And so it's more lesson driven as opposed to story driven and completely changed my world, to be honest, especially through COVID, because when my acting career stopped with COVID, I still had something to focus on. So it's been a really wonderful tool for me and also to build community. So I have to ask, I have to back up. Have you dreamed of being a mother your whole life? Like, is like, like you always wanted kid, like, cause and I ask this, so I just want to like frame it because I asked this before deciding I wanted to have kids when I was, I don't know, 30. I didn't think about it at all. Like I didn't, it wasn't even on my radar. I didn't love children. I wasn't like, I'm going to be a mother. I can't wait to be a mother. Like I never, like my daughter already is like being the mother. And yeah. that, that wasn't in my nature. So I'm curious if that was yours because to have this deep-rooted passion that you have which is so wonderful, especially before you're even a mother, there, there, there's got to be a story there, right? <laughs> For sure. The answer is yes. Okay. Um, the easy answer is yes. I actually grew up as an only child, but I did have to grow up pretty fast because of some family situations. My own mother is absolutely fabulous, and I was always inspired by her. And I just developed a passion for kids, yeah, at a very young age. And I've been babysitting gosh, I think since I was maybe even in middle school, you know, like so. And when I moved to the city, to New York City, I, you know, in addition to working at restaurants and stuff, because as an actor, you have a million jobs. And so I filled in babysitting and I just loved it. I mean, I loved being able to kind of learn and be able to like jump into that role before I was there. I mean, some people even thought, it happened many times thought like the kids that I was with were my kids and I always had to say no I'm just babysitting (laughs) so yeah I think I think it was instilled in me and and rooted into a deep love for children it was never something that I really wanted to work with children you know as like an elementary school teacher or daycare or something but yeah I, I do love them Got it. So when you when you were diagnosed with the autoimmune disease and had to go on medication, was your first thought like, oh, my God, now I have to delay my motherhood journey? Yeah, I mean, it was a huge component that went into it. I was put on. Well, the first medication that I was put on, I won't get into that story, but basically, I think that that medication gave me the arthritic part of my psoriatic arthritis. And so I was sort of petrified to go on anything else, but I was also desperate because I was in so much pain. Mm-hmm. And so when I went on this other medication, the doctor pretty much said to me, okay, well, this is a medication that they use to treat some forms of cancer. You also can't drink too much on it and it affects fertility. And so if you get pregnant, you'll have to have an abortion. So it was a lot to take in at once. Mm-hmm. I wasn't ready to have kids at that point. My husband and I weren't married. We were together, but we weren't married. And 
we had a goal pretty much to focus on our careers for a long time before we actually got to that point and got married even. So it was on my heart and it was a concern, but it wasn't until after we were married for a few years that it really sunk in. Like, this is something that I'm going to have to navigate. Got it. Okay. And so you, but you've been, I I feel like when you meant, you mentioned it earlier that you're a birth story junkie. And again, mm-hmm. for me, I like, didn't even think about my birth until I think I must've been 37 weeks. And I was like, I should listen to some birth stories. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it was, I mean, and it's so funny because obviously now I have a platform that educates moms because like I just made a lot of mistakes. I didn't know like what you're doing is so smart because like there's nothing like being prepared for pregnancy and postpartum and motherhood and preparing yourself early is is incredible because I think that the way I describe my first pregnancy and like being a first time mom was like drinking from a, a fire hose. Like I was just like, that's exactly what I say. hundred percent. Yeah. It's, and it's like, it's kind of the equivalent of like getting, like planning a wedding too. You're like, I have to get up to speed and I have one year to do it. You know, like it's, it's like so much information. And so if, if you know that you want to be a mother, like, you know, like it's, it's obviously really smart to understand all that goes into it. So And the thing that I love to, thank you. I mean, the thing that I love and I try to encourage women who are aspiring future moms, I mean, you can be an aspiring mom and not even be married. You know, Mm -hmm. I've connected with some women in our community are that way. And I'm so amazed when I connect to them because this is what I think we should start doing. And especially, you know, with a podcast, the great thing is you can listen and no one knows what you're listening to. You know, it's like, you know, living in New York City, if I were on the train reading what to expect, you know, someone might say like, oh, what are you doing? (laughs) But with a podcast, no one knows. And I think the best thing, just like you explained, is how I like to explain it. When we drink from the fire hose, whether we're pregnant or we're an aspiring mom, it just seeps into our subconscious somewhere it file saves. And so when you come up on the situation, on any situation in the future, it's going to ring that little bell and remind you of whatever tip or whatever Sarah did that. Oh, yeah, that that other girl that I heard on that podcast did it. So maybe I can do that, too. Mm -hmm. And, And I think it just helps give you a little bit more confidence. Yep, definitely. I mean, a lot more confidence. Yeah. Okay. so what like I guess like as you've been. I ha- like you've, ha- how long has Mamas in Training been in the podcast? Yeah. Well, the actual podcast has been out for about two and a half years now. Okay. Mamas in Training for about a year and a half, but okay. all of the old episodes are still up there. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break so I can tell you about the Juna app, the app that makes this podcast possible. Juna is the premier app for every stage of motherhood with a 12-week trying to conceive plan and workouts, key nutrition information for every week of pregnancy and postpartum, plus six full video courses on birth prep, breastfeeding, newborn care, infant sleep, sleep from four to 12 months, and starting solids. The app is designed to be your number one companion from trying to conceive through your baby's first year of life. It also includes daily diaphragmatic breathing exercises, pelvic floor prep, daily tips and notes from me that are relevant to the exact things you are experiencing. These are so helpful for easing any fears and preventing the dreaded gestational Google mania, that sickness where you can't stop Googling every little thing that happens during pregnancy. 
Juna is available for both iOS and Android. Just search Juna in the App Store or go to Juna.co. Again, that's Juna.co. The app is completely free to try for seven days, and if you decide it's not right for you, you can cancel any time within the first week. No questions asked. Download Juna today and get started. Now, back to the show. And so, like, what have you learned over your, because you bring on experts, a variety of experts, and are you, like, I I should listen to your podcast, but (laughs) um, what are you, are you, like, are you interviewing them about very specific topics because you're interested in them and then you get to learn and then kind of like succinctly be like, oh, that was, this is interesting. Yeah. So I have a massive list of both my personal questions. And then anytime I meet somebody when they, we connect on Instagram, when they join my Facebook group, I instantly ask them what they want to learn more about. Mm -hmm. And you notice common themes. And so especially if I see something come up more than once, I file save that and I try to find the person to cover it. And then the guests that I bring on are people that probably experienced that thing, mm-hmm. wish they had known about it or ways to, you know, navigate it. And then they tell us what they had wished they had known and what worked for them. So, you know, if somebody, for example, like I did an episode about inductions. Mm-hmm. And this was an actual labor nurse as well, who herself didn't know enough about inductions when she was pregnant. And then she explains to us what we need to know about inductions so that we can make those decisions in a better, more informed way. Got it. And gosh, when you ask what I've learned, I mean, how many hours do you have? Like, I just have <laughs> so many things that I've learned. But the interesting thing was, After 100 episodes, I sat back because this was like a big monumental hurdle for me. And I was like, wow, 100 women. It's like, let me let me just meditate on this for a little bit. Like, what are some common themes that have come up? What are people always saying? And I was very easily able to whittle it down to like what I call them three pillars. And there are three pillars of motherhood, but there are also three pillars that any person especially women, though, I think can and should focus on throughout their entire life. And that's advocacy, planning and preparing. They go hand in hand and community. And I would beg to say that 99.99% of my guests have mentioned one of these three, if not all of these three, within every single episode. And so I just felt like it was this glaring spotlight that I was like, people need to hear more about these three topics because there's tangible ways that we can utilize these, these different pillars, even before we're pregnant. Yep. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, especially, I, I, you know, I find that let's just, let's dive into the first one, which is advocacy. I think when you're trying to conceive or considering your fertility is like the first time that you're going to come up against people that kind of poo-poo whatever it is you're thinking or worrying about, especially if you're older, but, but definitely like definitely even when you're young, you know, like I know I have lots of friends that were 28 and were trying to conceive and they were a little bit concerned. They wanted to do some testing and their doctor's like, you're young, you don't need to do anything about it when you're ready. We'll, we'll do it. And then they were 31 and, you know, couldn't get pregnant. And so like these things 
are happening. So like, that's just an example, but I guess, yeah, do you want to kind of expand a little bit on what you mean in advocacy and then how that can show up in like the various stages? Yeah. So, I mean, I'll just give a quick example for me as a mama in training that in the medical world, I had to advocate for myself. So, and this totally could come up in a trying to conceive experience. So when I had my psoriasis and I then got the arthritis, I had this other thing that started to happen on my legs and around my ankles. I was like, what the heck is this? It's different. Feels different. It looks different. So I went to my rheumatologist, I mean, my, my dermatologist, and I said, what is this on my legs? It's looks different, feels different. Can you please biopsy it to see what's going on? No, nah, that's just psoriasis. I'm like, okay, well, that's great. Can you please biopsy it? He said, I'm 99% sure that that's psoriasis. I said, well, that's great, but I would 99% sure <laughs> like to get a biopsy. And I literally had to go back and forth with him about three or four times and demand, advocate for myself that I wanted a biopsy. And of course he did the biopsy and he came back and he said, well, that was vasculitis. It's not psoriasis. And when I went and talked to my rheumatologist, he said, I'm really glad that you got that biopsy because had we not controlled that, mm -hmm. it could have caused, it's basically like a swelling of your blood vessels and it yeah. could have caused some pretty serious organ damage in different ways, different organs. So that's, how, you know, I needed to listen to my own body. And I think that's the way that advocacy shows up in pregnancy, birth and postpartum. It's like you have to listen to your body and no one has spent 20, 30, 40 years with your body but you. Mm -hmm. And so you know it best. And so like if that's when you're pregnant and you just feel like something is off and they're saying, oh, it's probably this, it's probably that, and you want to get checked, then advocate for yourself for that. Like in birth, for example, there's so many different ways to push. And there's like I was learning from one of my episodes, episode 52, I believe it is, all about Nikki Bergen was explaining the different ways of pushing. And, you know, if you don't do your research beforehand and know that there are other ways that you can push that might not hurt your pelvic floor, you might go into labor and have a nurse or a doctor telling you to push and bear down in a certain way that's not yep. comfortable for you. And I mean, if it works for you, great. But if you have another way that you've heard of, then you should be confident to say, or at least with the help of a doula or your partner to say, actually, I'm going to do it this way. And this is what works for me. And then, of course, go ahead. Oh, no, what I was, what I was going to say is I think w women especially have a really hard time advocating for themselves. And I, I always like to say too, like that if dual, if, you know, a, having a dual as an option or like having your partner be your advocate for you is advocating for yourself. If you yeah. have, if you know, you have a hard time, like telling a doctor, look, I really don't want, I really don't want to do coached pushing. Like this is how I want to do it. And if, if you know that that's going to be hard for you, have your partner say it. Like if, if you, if you don't have a doula, like, and, and, and that like, just because somebody else is doing it doesn't mean it's not you advocating for yourself. It's you right. knowing yourself best, right? Like, And I think also, you know, thinking about these things ahead of time, because if you're the type of person that you know that like, if I'm under a lot of pressure or I'm exhausted and I've been pushing for five hours, like whatever it is, 
I might not be able to speak up for myself. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I need to talk to my partner beforehand to make sure that they do that. Or even the other things, like I know that my partner might not physically or mentally be in the right space to advocate for me if that were to happen. So I need to hire a doula. Right. Right. I need to see, you know, if COVID allows you, you know, I need to have my mom there or my best friend or somebody else to to really speak up for you in those situations. And and not only that, but if we're able to do the work ahead of time and pick a place advocating for ourselves that, you know, no, this provider or this birth center or whatever is not for me. I want one that allows the freedom of XYZ. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a sense of advocating for yourself too. So there are so many different ways. I want to take a quick second to tell you a little about the Core Restore program that's part of the Juna app. If you have a mom pooch, lower back pain, pelvic pain, urinary incontinence, balance issues, or just generally feel like you can't regain your strength in your core, then Core Restore is for you. The Core Restore program was developed by Katie Hunter to help you safely and correctly heal your pelvic floor issues. These are the same moves she works on with me in her office that I pay a pretty penny for per session. You can get it all in the app as part of your subscription and your first seven days are free. Simply search for Juna in the App Store and download the Juna app to get started today. I will I will also add this from experience as a mother is that learning to advocate for yourself is really good practice for when you have to advocate for your kid. And you will need to advocate for your kid for the rest of their life. Right? Like, well, and that's the thing that I'm always so curious about, because like we so easily advocate for it. No, you know, it. you don't like, think so? I, no, well, it's like, I'll let me use an example. Like, I think like you'll see and I'm sure you see it in, in your world, too. But like, let's just say like something's wrong with the way that my kid's latching. And I'm like, just something's off. He has he's got reflux. The amount of women that will take their baby to their pediatrician and be like, something's off, like this is not right. Like, and their pediatrician will be like, it's fine. You just have a fussy baby. And then they'll go to a lactation consultant and the lactation consultant will be like, no, it's fine. And, and, and that mom is like, okay, you know, like everybody's telling me it's fine, but then this baby continues to have issues. Like that's just one example. Yeah. And, and so it, I think of like, you're like, you, tr- like you trust that people know better than you, like all these, right. med- but, but like at the end of the day, no, nobody knows your baby better than you do. And I, you know, like I, there's so, I mean, the list goes on for the amount of things. Like I, like I've had to do it for all of my kids where I'm like, no, some, this is not right. I'm going to go find another specialist. And like, mm-hmm. I'll start doing that research. And, and I think it's like that, like having been able to advocate for myself and learning and flexing that muscle, you get better and better and better at it. Like, and now with my third kid, I'm like, like, you know, I, I yeah. get an ear infection. I'm like, look, I'm not giving my kid antibiotics for this ear infection right now. Like he, you know, have, you know, like, I don't want to wipe out his gut. And like, I'm happy to say that to my pediatrician. I'm like, do you have another option? And there, and like, and then it, then like, and it's just like, I've just become so much more comfortable with it. And the more you do it, the, the more you will become comfortable with it. So it's like, it's a, it's a muscle you should flex early. Absolutely. And I think the challenging part about motherhood, whether we're talking about your own personal body or your child's body or experience, is there are so many things that are considered, quote unquote, normal or mm-hmm. typical that shouldn't be. Yeah. You know, like incontinence doesn't have to happen. 
Right. Or your baby, you know, yes, your breasts are going to be sore when you breastfeed, but like actual pain doesn't have to persist all the time, every time. Right. You know, and these are things that I think is so common that we talk about and that yeah. we hear about, but there are people out there who will listen to you. And so, yeah, advocating for yourself to know that there's going to be somebody else, another specialist, another person, another, you know, ear that will take the time. Definitely. And, and you just have to take take your own time and do that research. Exactly. We, we file that stuff under common, but not normal. Okay. What is the second pillar? The second is planning and preparing. Okay. And, you know, there are the people that I want to talk to for a second are the people like my best friend who are like, I don't need to plan and prepare. It's all good. And if that's you, totally fine. Like I get that. My best friend did that. She's a rock star. She just is like going with the flow and that's her style. And if that's your style, then by all means. But one thing that I just want to throw out there is the chance that if you happen to ever be the type of person that if something goes in a way that you feel like you can't control and that would be scary to you or that would be nerve wracking to you, then just a little bit of preparation and planning can be helpful. And the best way that I like to describe this is I did an episode all about formula feeding. And, you know, many people wouldn't even listen to that episode because it's like, no, I, I'm planning breastfeeding. Feeding. Yeah. Of course. And that's your decision. A hundred percent great. However, what Erin Moore, who's the amazing woman who was on my episode, what she recommended, and I just think it's genius, is when you're pregnant, even if you decide to breastfeed, go ahead and do your research and pick out a formula. There's so many formulas out there. Do you want organic? Do you want not organic? Do you want minimal ingredients? Do you not care? Do you want cheap? Do you want expensive? Pick it out, physically purchase it and buy it, put it in your hospital bag and take it with you to the hospital. Then God forbid something happens. Maybe you have a C-section that you didn't expect and your milk isn't coming in right away and baby needs to feed. Maybe something goes wrong with the latch. There could be so many reasons why your baby might need a formula, but you already have picked out a formula that you're okay with. You know what your baby's getting and you don't have to go into that then mindset of, oh my gosh, I didn't approve anything. Wait, what are they getting? And, you know, this nervous energy. Mm -hmm. And I pray that you can return that formula and, you know, keep the give it to a friend. your money give back. Yeah, <laughs> give it to a friend, whatever. But just in case that happens, you're one step ahead. And that's where the planning and preparing goes because, you know, same thing with a C-section. Of course, if you want a water birth, you want a home birth, you want just a hospital birth, most women do. Most women don't plan to have a C-section, but it would probably be smart to listen to an episode on C-sections to know what to prepare and what you could expect so that if God forbid that happens, you remember, oh yeah, so-and-so had a C-section. I heard about how this went and this is what's going to happen. And okay, that's right. Once again, it's just back in that little filing cabinet of your brain and can be called upon if necessary. Yeah, I and like as as someone who was like your best friend, I I was just like, 
I'm not going to take a birth course. I'm not going to prepare <laughs> myself for births. I'll, I'll listen to a few birth stories like that because then I, you know, like I now too, I'm a birth story junkie. I think that they're so fascinating. It's my favorite thing in the world is like when my friend has a baby, I'm like, no, I want every, every single detail. detail. And they're like, no, here's the quick. I'm like, no, 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 no. I need to know like everything. But, but I, I, I did not prepare because I was just like, I'm going to be going to the hospital. I'm going to get an epidural. And, and then like the, the labor and delivery nurses and my OB are going to tell me what needs to be done. And, and I like, I am so thankful that I, I lucked out because like it, I got very lucky. My water broke before I even had a contraction. I went straight to the hospital. I, I had like, I went through like two hours of, of contractions after they gave me like misoprostol, which by the way, like had I known anything about like any, like I, I probably would have been like, no, I don't want to augment it. But like, I didn't know anything then. So I was just like, okay. And I had like two hours of diarrhea before I was like, okay, I need the, I need the epidural. So like, I mean, I had two hours of having to deal with contractions. And when I say that I didn't do any preparation, I had no idea what a contraction would feel like. I had no idea how like any pain management tools whatsoever. Like I was just mm -hmm. like, which is why I probably only lasted two hours. And then I had the epidural and I was like in heaven for the next 10 hours. And then thankfully the baby came out. I pushed for 14 minutes and he was out, blah, 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 fine. But like, if one thing went wrong there, like my water didn't break and I had to labor at home for 10 hours. Like, I don't know what, I don't know what I would have done. and. And so going into that second baby, I was like, I'm going to do a little more research, even though I had been through <laughs> been it, there, right? right. Like, like I had already had a baby, but I was just like, there's no way that this is going to go exactly the way it went last time. And now that I know what I know, I really know that I need to know more. And so... I took a, a birth course, like I read, I read a couple different books. I read hypnobirth, you know, like I, I just was like, let me, yeah. let me do the research. And I'm so thankful that I did because my next two babies were totally different. The experience was totally different. I felt more prepared and like, and my personality is such that like, I, I think I can wing it. And if one thing doesn't go according to plan, I do freak out. And and so I think for anybody listening who is also like that, you, it might not go according to plan and to be prepared and educated. And that's not like you don't need to take, let's just, I mean, it's like you don't need to go so far. If you want to go so far, you can. But like, let's just give you some base level tools to exactly feel educated. And that goes for like, literally for trying to conceive, like, there's some base level tools that you can learn about your body then throughout pregnancy. And then like motherhood, man, it's like, there is no manual. <laughs> like, it's, never. They send you home with that baby. And like, I remember being like, I've literally never changed a diaper. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's the thing. And these legs, the legs are like, they're all like curled up. And I remember being like, how do I pull these legs down to change a diaper? That was the most terrifying thing. So there's a lot to prepare for. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, more often than not, I, I pray that everyone's birth experience goes easy peasy, just as they desire. Mm -hmm. More often than not, you know, you see those Facebook posts that came that say like, well, this didn't go at all like I expected or well, didn't go at all as I planned or well, they surprised me or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it just can't hurt. 
I know. It can't hurt. hurt. Cannot hurt. Okay. The last one, which I think is one of those like really like I cannot go understated. So let's talk about that one. Yeah. Community. And I think community has different versions. And the one that I want to talk about is not the one that's like, who's going to be in the birth room or who's going to set up the meal train, things like that. I want to talk about third party community because naturally, I hope that your family and friends will want to come over. Hopefully, if they're awesome family and friends that know anything about supporting a a postpartum woman, they're going to maybe offer to help you in the proper way and not just be looking to be entertained. But the third party community is one that I'm talking about that's like your supportive Facebook groups. I said supportive on purpose, then I'll Mm. circle back to that in a second. (laughs) So your supportive Facebook groups, your supportive maybe lactation groups, your supportive new mom groups. And these are whether they're in person or online, but it's people that don't really know you. They're not your close friends. They're not your close family. They're not even your lactation counselor or your regular mental health counselor or your doctor. It's the people that not only can give you different perspective, but can also shower you with the same love and excitement as your closest would. And I think the important thing about the third-party community is there's no strings attached. So like your mother, your mother-in-law, your aunts, they might give you a perspective based on what they did and what they want to see for you. Even your friends, your closest friends. So they're suggestions, their advice, their ways are going to be a little bit tinted. Whereas somebody who doesn't know you directly is going to be able to give you a more all-encompassing feedback. And I think especially if you're able to be in person with people, you know, even if your, say, breastfeeding journey is going beautifully, or even if you're feeling 100% postpartum, there's two things that a supportive community can do for you, whether it's in person or online. It can give you the knowledge that you're in a pretty good spot, which feels good Mm -hmm. for a postpartum mom. Like just that recognition of like, oh, wow, I'm doing good. Like all these other women in here are struggling, but like, I'm okay. And sorry, but you need that pat on the back sometimes. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that it does is it gives a gift to other people. So if you're able to shed positive light for someone who's in a hard space, or you're able to give comforting words to someone who might be going through something rough, that giving is so much more receiving internally, you know? So it's not just that we're going to these communities looking for something. Sometimes it's a matter of going to these communities to give, because when we give to other people, we feel more like a whole human and our heart grows a little bit bigger, you know, like the Grinch. (laughs) <laughs> and we might need that postpartum because yeah. sometimes you're so isolated in where you're at, whether it's your home or your small close-knit community, that you're not really giving to many people besides your your baby. But when you can give to another adult, I think that's huge. And the other thing that I like to shine a light on with regards to community and third-party community is for moms who might be having their second or third. 
you probably aren't going to get the same joy the shower. Maybe you'll get a little sprinkle, but you're not going to get the same reactions with your close family and friends as you did your first. But if you go to a random group where nobody even knows that you already have a baby, they're going to shower with you with just as much excitement and joy and energy as if it were your first. And, you know, that's a whole nother bag of worms to to unpack there Mm -hmm. because adding on a second or a third baby, you know, everyone thinks that you got it because you've been there. But as you know, like it just makes things different and more complicated in a way. And I think having a party community during moments like that can really also help you focus on this second or this third or this fourth, fifth, whatever pregnancy as its own special entity too. Yeah, I'll also add to that too. There's no competition with yeah. and and like no one wants to admit that like that they're competing with their friends or with their cousins or with their families, but at the end of the day like especially when you have your first kid, yeah. it's like the milestones feel really important and like if your friend had a baby at the similar time and their baby had got their first tooth you know, like it's like all these things that just don't matter, but they for some reason matter when you have your first kid <laughs> and you have like no- nothing else to like really benchmark it off of like these third party communities are great because you're just like, I don't like there's none of that that's there. Like, oh, like your kid's walking. That's great. That doesn't mean like you're a better mother than me. I will say that that part. And then also like I, the, one of the most important things that I did when I had my first kid was join a mommy and me like in-person group. And like I, we started, I think when the baby was when like, like six or eight weeks, whenever they got their first round of, um, of a vaccinations. shot, like vaccinations. Yeah. And then all of us would meet in person. We would breastfeed in like in like the circle. And so like, if you are one of those people that like breastfeeding in public doesn't feel comfortable, it was a great place to like practice around other women that were whipping their boobs yes. out, which for me was huge. Cause I was like, I, could not imagine doing that. And I was like, okay, like we're all, we're all doing this. We're practicing. Like, yeah. this is fine. And then also like, no, like those mommy and me in-person groups and, and, and online groups there, your babies are like within two weeks of each other or two or three, I think it was three weeks was like the longest like age gap. So like many of the kids had my son's exact birthday. And so you're all going through exactly the same thing Mm. like you are going through the same regressions you're going through the same progressions you're going through like sleepless nights you're going through soothing fussy babies and like there's a there's great tips but you're really like there's just the commiserating like you're at home with your baby alone your partner is probably back at work you haven't had a real conversation with somebody because your baby is the only you're singing nursery rhymes you're literally going insane at least I was (laughs) and like I remember like looking forward to every Thursday I was like oh my god we're all and we're all just itching to talk to each other and then as soon as you like connect with one person you're like hey you want to get coffee after this And like those relationships will carry on and they may become your closest friends and be a part of like something, but they may not like they may just be that 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 group of people that you needed for the first four months of your baby's life before you went back to work. And that is so valuable. Yeah. So I encourage everyone to do it. I felt so bad for first time moms during COVID because I just remember being like, how are these moms getting to connect with other new moms? Yes. Um, It's huge. Yeah, And I do think that that's where, you know, online can have a, a benefit. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 
And depending on what you're going through, like that's for sure helpful too. I guess the only caveat I'll say to Facebook groups and like I have a Facebook group that's very supportive. Anybody is welcome to join. But the way that we operate our Facebook group is everything is very closely monitored. Mm -hmm. And that's the only precaution that I'll put out there that if you go and you search mom Facebook groups, there's they're all run very differently. Mm -hmm. You could find yourself in one that's not very supportive or very positive or, you know, it's just right for you and your soul. And I think that's the only precaution. So make sure that what you're joining is something that is good and feels good, you know, yep. and yep. monitored that way. Yeah. And always, um, I like, I always have to make this caveat too, is that these mom groups and pregnancy groups are like mostly not consisting of medical providers. And so right. like, don't go into them looking for medical advice. Like if Absolutely. like take everything, a firsthand mom experience, like, and I think like, especially in pregnancy, you see so many things and you're just like, oh my God, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> that's not medical advice. Please don't take that as medical advice. <laughs> right. And that's when it circles back to though, to advocating for yourself and the yep. way that we started this whole conversation, because you know, deep down, you know, whether that's right for you or not right for you, or, you know, just because you go on Facebook group and say like, hey, is this thing weird? Mm -hmm. Just because all the people say, no, it's not weird. Doesn't mean that you still shouldn't exactly get it checked out in and get it checked out. So yeah. Just listening to yourself. Well, Jessica, this has been so fun. I love what you're doing. I think it's so, so important for all of the mamas in training to get educated. So tell people again where they can find you. Yeah. Well, as I mentioned, the Facebook community, I would love to have anyone join. That's Mamas in Training. And the podcast itself, you can find on any podcast app. Just search Mamas in Training. And that's with M-A-M-A-S in Training. And you can also find me on Instagram, Mamas in Training Pod, P-O-D. And like I mentioned in the beginning, every single one of my episodes comes from my listeners. So I really love connecting with people and anyone can shoot me a message or reach out. You can find me on the website, which is mamasintraining.com. And I just love not only supporting other women, but connecting. And I am a mama in training, so... I don't know anything, you know, in terms of I've been there, but I'm just looking to create community and learn from other women. So happy to connect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Okay. That's all for today. If you liked today's episode, please share it with a mama friend and leave us a review. If you're pregnant, postpartum, or trying to conceive, you can download the Juna app completely free for seven days. The app is available for iOS and Android and is designed to be your guide for all things health and fitness for this very special time of your life. If you have any suggestions for episodes you would like to hear or anyone you think would be a great guest on the show, please email me directly at sarah at juna.co. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week.